Today on Fifth Age, we answer questions like, what if Denethor is just really misunderstood? Maybe we should just have him for coffee and talk things out. We gotta do it. We gotta do it. Me, oh, maybe we can get the maybe we can get the baristas to pose with them. Thank you for joining us here in the Fifth Age. I'm Erica, and I'm Dan. Come along with us as we explore Tolkien's world together. You know what you're here for. Aragorn storm in the castle. But for real, we are here to talk about the stewards of Gondor. In today's episode, we talk about the Palantiri and how they were used in the struggle between Mordor and Gondor, as well as that awful scene in Return of the King where Denethor is eating all gross. Ew. So he... he first of all, where did he get the Palantir from? Because... It was, it was already there. Uh, in Minas Tirith? In Minas Tirith, yeah. So um, there are seven Palantir in Middle-earth when Elendil comes from Numenor. Mm-hmm. So, Fionor made the Palantir. Go Fionor. Oh, God, no. Don't go Fionor. Um, <laughs> I'm not a Fionor fan. If there are Fionor fans out there, good for you. No, Fionor's literally the worst. Yeah, I kind of hate that guy. Um, he's just a jerk. Um, <laughs> and I know, there are, I know there are a lot of Fionor fans out there, and I'm not ashamed to say I'm not one of them. Um, <laughs> so Elendil when he was leaving Numenor he took all of the Palantir that he could so Elendil took uh, three to the North Kingdom one uh, lives with Círdan in the Grey Havens and it looks west okay over the, over the ocean all it sees is ocean um, and the other two are at Amonsul which is Weathertop and Anumanius, which was the the um, capital of the North Kingdom. And the Weathertop one and the Anumanius one are gone. They were lost in the sea in a shipwreck. Um, and Isildur and Anarion had the other four split between them evenly. Uh, there was one at Minas Ithil, which became Minas Morgul. Okay. There was one at Osgiliath which fell into the Anduin during the Kinstrife, which is a big complicated Numenorean in Middle-earth thing that I'm not going to get into now. There's one at Orthanc. Okay. And there's one at Minas Tirith. So there's three that are currently in action during Lord of the Rings, the Orthanc stone, the Arnor stone, and the Ithil stone. So the Arnor stone is in Minas Tirith, and Sauron has the other one. And then Saruman's got one. Um, so when, after the Ents destroy Isengard, um, Wormtongue. <laughs> Nailed it. Got it. I didn't say Wormtail. Uh, Wormtongue throws it out a window at Gandalf because he's mad. And also an idiot. And also really dumb. Um, and then Pippin, Pippin picks it up, Gandalf takes it away, and then Pippin looks into it later. And eventually, um, Aragorn also reveals himself to Sauron to draw his eye. That was on purpose, though. That was on purpose, to draw his eye out of Mordor, to to distract him, essentially. To help, um, to help uh, Frodo. Yes, to help Frodo. 
But there was there was a Palantir in the treasury of Minas Tirith, and most of the kings did not touch it because they, you know, it, it took a great effort of will to direct it where you wanted. Otherwise, it would just show you whatever it wanted to show you. So this is, um, is this like Bell's Mirror in Beauty and the Beast? No. Okay. It's, it's um, hang on, I have notes on this. Like, if you haven't seen Beauty and the Beast, Bell is able to just tell it what to show her. And it'll show her. She has a magic mirror that'll show her anything she asks for. It's very um, sort of standard magic mirror European folktale situation. Mm-hmm. And this is slightly different. So the Palantir, um, you have to be on the right side of it to see the direction you want. So you're and actually some... looking the direction you want to look. Yes. So the one, the one um, in the Grey Havens only looks over the sea, no matter what side you stand on, because it pulls it pulls toward Valinor, T- pulls toward Tolaresia, but whatever. Um, but some of them were made to talk to each other. And they could talk to each other if people were looking at each other, essentially. But th- some of them were so large that you had to walk around a table to see the direction you wanted to see. You couldn't just turn it by hand. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, this is, by the way, if people are interested, is in Unfinished Tales. Um, okay. For notes for later. Um but you needed to be looking the direction that you wanted to be looking and it would show you what it wanted in that direction. And with focus, you could make it like the harder you focus, the more you could make it pin in on something. So if you wanted to see like what this one particular person was doing hundreds of miles away, you would have to have a huge mental effort to hold that and make it focus on what you wanted. So you could see what was happening, but you couldn't like, just say, oh, I want to see what Gandalf's up to right now. If he was in somewhere dark, if there was no light source, you wouldn't be able to see him. There needs to be, like, ambient light. And... Like, oh, it's I mean, weird. there seems to be a lot of light-related stuff with Fenor's stuff. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of his jam. Light is kind of his jam. Yeah. So, with the Palantir, most of the the lord the stewards lords of gondor weren't using it um and once it was discovered that sarin had one which was actually kind of late in the game sarin was actually using the ithil stone to pull other stones to look at him and this wasn't something that had been used for in the past but he has this um he has this presence of fear and domination and he wants to dominate the will of others so if you looked into a stone while he was looking into a stone, he would try to pull your gaze and capture your soul, essentially, and make you serve him, which it didn't work with Denethor. He was not able to get Denethor to turn. He was able to get Saruman to turn, but not Denethor, which says something about Denethor. Wow, that's really impressive. But wasn't, did Saruman, did Saruman seek to control Sauron? He didn't seek to control Sauron. Um, he was trying to oppose him in his own way, but he ended up failing in his mission because of it. Huh. He was he ended up essentially joining him. You know? Yeah, I, I I just wondered like because there's a difference between direct combat and trying to escape. He was uh Saruman was trying to play both sides. He was he was trying to get the ring for himself. 
And so he was trying to play friendly for a while with both sides, and that didn't turn out well for him. Sure didn't. In the end. No. He ended um, up uh, kind of not okay. Yeah, he was not all right. Um, but Denethor but, wasn't okay either, right? Like, Denethor... But he held out in a different way, because technically the Palantir belonged to him by right. And that's part of part of how to make it work. It's easier to make it work if it belongs to you by right. So if you're an, an, one of Elendil's heirs, technically they all belong to Aragorn. So when Pippin picked it up, he saw, or he was taken momentarily by Sauron's will. Yes. Because Sauron was looking into it and had discovered this way of connecting them together. Yep. But when Aragorn looked into it, Aragorn was looking into it as the rightful owner of the power and for a specific purpose, which didn't require him to directly oppose Sauron, didn't require him to do anything other than just be there for a second. Yes. And just be who he was, like be truly himself. Yep. Yeah. So it didn't take the, the it still took a lot out of him because he was still he was still subject to that force of will from Sauron. Right. But he also had the elven blood. He had the rightful claim. Did Denethor also come from the line of Numenor in some way? Um, yeah, the the people of Minas Tirith are Numenorians, but they're not all. Um, they aren't all descendants of Arendil. But not all the all... Gondorians are Numenorians. Is that correct? Is that's that correct? correct. Yeah, okay. that's correct. Asking for a video game. Oh, yeah. Because I think oh. in Shadow of Mordor, your main character isn't Numenorian, but is Gondorian. That That's totally a thing. Yeah. Um, but the, the line of stewards. So if the king of Gondor didn't feel like looking into the Palantir, if he didn't have time, he could ask the steward to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's the stewards by right as well, because the king isn't there. So, I mean, he was perfectly within his rights to use it if he wanted to. It just wasn't a good idea. Um, he couldn't restrain himself because he just wanted to see what was going on to see what he needed to do to plan to fight the war that he was trying to plan with no knowledge. Had they become aware that Sauron was able to connect the Pelantir in this way? Uh, who? Did the Gondorians know that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess Denethor would have discovered it when he looked into it. Denethor figured it out, I think, pretty quickly, but he continued to use it for a long part of his life. And in the book, it talks about him looking aged beyond his years. Um, And everyone assumed it was because his wife died young and all the pressure of ruling and the fighting of the war. But uh, some of it was the strain of using the Palantir over and over and trying to he was able to direct it away from Sauron. And Sauron wasn't looking at it all the time. Right. But he was able to direct his Palantir and see things that he wanted to see because he knew about Aragorn. He knew about so, a bunch of stuff. This makes a lot of this makes a uh, a different this takes a different tone then than the or brings a different context to Denethor's attitude towards Aragorn and towards Gandalf's interference because he's been taking what he knows to be enormous risks for the defense of Gondor and Middle Earth over and over because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Not because he wants power, not because he wants to preserve his family's rule, but because he needs information and this is his only source. And even though he knows it might destroy him, 
at any every time he goes he knows that's what you're telling me, right? Like every time he goes yeah. to look in the Palantir, he knows that that might be the last time he can do it and he might be crazy. Well, he knows that he may get pulled in by Saren. He may he may only be seeing what Saren is showing him. Can he does he have any way of telling? Does he know? No. Oh. He doesn't he doesn't have any way of knowing if what he's seeing is what's actually happening or something that Saren is showing him. But I I don't know that he cares by the end. Well, that's very, it's funny because that's actually very much like, um, that's very much the way a military intelligence can work anyway, because you know that there are counterintelligence operations working against you. Like, how accurate is this? You have to determine, like, do I believe this? Do I not believe this? Does this correlate with other things I know? Are the other things that I know accurate? And um, you got, you got to weigh all that. So that's, that's, it's interesting. It's pretty cool. It's yeah. pretty cool. It's a pretty cool um, way of, of of Tolkien putting in that sort of aspect of military planning. Um, mm-hmm. I like that actually gives me like a whole new feel about Denethor that I never. Just because he was uh, sort of against the return of Aragorn. Mm hmm. I had this sort of negative view of like mostly because of that. I had this sort of negative view of, of him. Of course, there's the absolutely discomforting scene where, um, <laughs> where Oh my God, it's awful. I can't even watch it. Where so Pippin gross. is singing while he eats and he's like murdering his dinner in the most disgusting way. Oh yeah. Gross and mouth noises. Well, while his, while his son is dying. He's like sent his son on a suicide mission. And he knows it. And he's like taking his anger out on his food and, and is asking. Oh, hey. He's asking for entertainment. Like, it's disgusting. It's so gross. gross. It's so bad. It's so well filmed. Like, that is an incredible scene. Because it makes you feel really uncomfortable. And it's supposed to make you feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know. um, Pippin singing is just like, oh, God, it's so. Oh, man. Shout outs to Billy Boyd. My God, that was beautiful. It was an amazing scene. Like he, it was so well acted on on all sides, you know, and, and the way it was edited together, it was just, it's for me, it's one of the best scenes, one of the best done scenes in the entire trilogy. And it's so um, emotionally overwhelming for me that I can hardly watch it. Yeah. Like it's just too much, but I, I agree. It's absolutely. Like I'm, I'm literally on. getting goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so I have that memory you know of of uh denethor just being terrible right from the movie but um but even without that even though without that sort of over the top um portrayal he has one purpose you know his purpose is to preserve gondor for the return of the king and Mm um and he's not wanting to do it he's not wanting the king to return he wants to preserve so i i well sort of made all these assumptions about his selfishness but what you just told me tells me that that is a completely false view of his character there's also this whole thing where okay so aragorn is the true king yeah what has he done denethor has been <sighs> what sitting have here you done for me lately right so denethor has <laughs> been sitting here defending gondor for his whole life, he's sending his sons to death to defend the, this country. What has Aragorn done? He's been hiding up in the north. He doesn't know 
that Aragorn is Thorongil. He doesn't know that Aragorn is someone who was around in Gondor when he was a kid. Um, and he doesn't um, appreciate, you know, this so guy he just recognize in. him. No, no. I think there said. I think they said something about there being a disguise or something. I don't know. But he he was also pretty young. Denethor was pretty young at the time. Um, but this this gets into some interesting stuff about you know Denethor's relationship with his kids. Which I know you had some questions about. I do have questions about that, but I'm kind of not done with this because oh, I, cool. because I just, and maybe, maybe this is like Eagles talking. I don't know. Oh God. Not but this again, <laughs> I guess I just want to hammer, I guess I just want to hammer home the point that to take such a risk for your, for your country as he's doing, um, just even with just the Palantir, forget mm-hmm. anything else, like just that. But then also, He's sending his sons to battle, although that's um, that's a very arist- aristocratic thing to do. Like you, you get your position in the military based on your lineage. And in Rohan, you would lead the vanguard if you were the leader of the, if you were the leader of the unit. I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Or you would I be mean, part of it in any case. You'd be part of the vanguard. See. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, I mean, and that's n- how it's described. And it's, that, that's. How it's described it's Norse, it's a standard right it's like Norse. you you mm-hmm. gain favor with your men by being the most fierce in battle right and you can't be the most fierce if you're in the if you're in the rear line you know whereas yeah, but this is this is a different culture it's a different culture whereas in in gondor you're not expected to be part of the vanguard but i i want to point out that at least in the movies eric orn is shown at the vanguard when he goes into battle which i thought was very interesting Actually, that the scene at the Black Gate, is that what you're talking about? I'm talking about that, or but also the, the black ships. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the scene at the Black Gate where he just, like, he turns around and looks at everybody and he just, like, runs for it. And yeah. everyone's like, Oh, it's such a good fun. scene. Have fun, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> See you on the other side of this battle. It's you against Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> and they do follow him, but at first it's just like, Aragorn is running. Well, and I think without his, without his um, commitment to it, mm. who knows if that sort of action succeeds? Right. You know. Um. Yeah. But so for me, um, and I realize that it's not that same mentality. Like, Faramir and Boromir aren't necessarily at the vanguard of every charge. Right. Well, Boromir, um, as a captain, was holding Osgiliath, which is whatever kind of fight you need to make it. Right. I mean, right? it's shown as guerrilla warfare in the in the film. And in in Ithilien, it's even more so. Those are um, Faramir's group are stealth, right? Right. If we're going by, if we're going to D and D classes, Boromir's a cavalier <laughs> and Faramir's a ranger. Yeah. And, and they're called rangers. They're rangers in, of Athelion. So Boromir and Faramir aren't expected to be at the vanguard of every fight. And, you know, Faramir being being part of this unit of rangers, you've roaming around the forest and maybe other places. I don't know. I don't know if they were, if they um, went about, if they were like infiltrating other places and gathering intelligence or if they were if and uh, doing intelligence and assassinations. Like, is this uh, Gondor CIA? Is that what's going on here? Or is this something else? 
As far as I know, they're just in a thillion to gather information and hold the forces of Mordor back as far from Asgiliath as they can, because losing Asgiliath is a problem. So geographically, it's... where is Athelion? Athelion is the eastern... No. I, I don't know my left from right. <laughs> just give me a second. I gotta imagine a map. So here's Mordor and to the west, just west of Mordor is Athelion. And then just west of that is Osgiliath, and just west of that is Minas Tirith. They're all so in line. Athelion is a forest that is between Mordor and Osgiliath, and Osgiliath is the it's the river crossing. It used to be this it used to be one of the seats of power in the south. Is this like a Istanbul, Constantinople, where it just gets overrun and taken over, over, and over, and over? Mm-hmm. Like both sides? Yeah. Okay, so... It, it becomes it becomes a no-man's land almost at some points. Um, oh, it was so... Just, it was destroyed during the Kinstrife, which was way back, and again, I'm not going to get into the Kinstrife So it right wasn't now. even Mordor that did it? No. Oh, man. This is it's like when mess. you told me the Valis and Numenor, I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Like, don't yeah, you guys have enough problems without causing more problems for yourselves? Oh, my God. That's it for this week. But don't worry, there's plenty more about Gondor and the House of Denethor to come in future episodes. If you have questions or comments, you can contact us by email at show at fifthagepodcast.com, on Twitter at fifthagepodcast, on Facebook and even directly on the show post on the fifthagepodcast.com website. If you like the show and want to help us grow, please share us on social media. Giving us a good review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe wouldn't go amiss either. As always, the music is provided by Dr. Turtle, who you can find on Bandcamp. Thanks for listening. See you next time.